Greetings, listeners, if any, and welcome to DM Dad, the podcast about playing Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games with kids. A great way to spend time with your family, now that your friends are too old and have all moved away. Hi, Robert, Arfed here. Uh, just wanted to call in and say I certainly enjoy your mediocre ramblings if you want to call it that. Um, I've always enjoyed your podcasts and uh, just wanted to call in to give you a bit of support to uh, make sure that you don't think that everyone feels the same way. Um, Also wanted to say you might want to check out the ICRPG game system if you haven't. It's something I'm running for our group at the moment and um, the, the main focus is you have a difficulty level for the room or the encounter, or the, the the part of the adventure you're in. So everyone knows that there's a base number that they need to roll. If it's an easier attempt that they want to make, or they try and make the same uh, attempt twice, it goes easier by three. If it's a harder attempt, it goes up by three. But worth checking out. I think you and the kids would enjoy it. Thanks for that, Darren. Yeah, um, it's funny because uh, a I've noticed a few other anchorites have uh, made reference to this uh, this infamous comment about uh, mediocre rambling. Um, I guess uh, I guess because the the comment in question didn't specify any particular OSR anchorites, we've kind of all as a as a unit, you know, taken it like uh, as a as a slight against all of us. So I've heard. Uh, I'm sure I heard Tim Shorts mention it and Chuck Thorne as well. And I first heard about it on, uh, on Spike Pit. So, um, but I think, you know, I think Darren's comment is exactly right. That it's like, don't take this sort of thing to heart. Um, it doesn't mean that all the listeners, um, agree, you know, the, the person who made the comment in question is just one person and, you know, None of us, I think, are out to please everybody, nor could, you know, nor could we if we wanted to, because that's not really, that's not really possible. Um, and in, in, on the back of, of this, you know, at the same time that the, you know, following this comment being made, um, some of my episodes have broke 50 listens, which is like double what I used to pull. And, um, you know, I've got over 900 total listens. So I'm actually you know, gaining an audience rather than like losing one. So yeah, you know, probably in the end it's, it's, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion and we should probably just not take it too personally. No, man, nothing is fucked here. Nothing is fucked. No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. No, man, come on. Hello, Robert. It's Colin. Just calling in to say thanks for your continued support of Spike Pit with your call-ins. It's, I'm always looking forward to hear from, hearing from you, and uh, you've always got something really interesting to say. So um, I thought I'd return the compliment slightly. You've been talking about OD&D quite a lot and the origins of the game. I don't remember if you said anything about Whitehack, whether you'd looked at Whitehack at all. I've heard some good things about it. It's quite nicely produced and it's a relatively affordable, but um, yeah, I don't recall you talking about it. Just wondered if you had any thoughts on it, if it was something you'd looked at or ent- entertained looking at. I'm fully aware you've probably got 
plenty of clones at this point, but um, just something for the consideration. Thanks for that, Colin. Um, you know, you would think that I have enough clones, but I feel I find that it's it's one of these things that I think it's just like Pokemon. I got to collect them all. Um, so I don't need much encouraging to check out yet another retro clone because the thing about them, I mean, some of them are, are really, um, really close to the original. Um, and some of them provide some unique insights that the, the designer, you know, it's like, I use these things at the table. You might like them too, like some interesting house rules or an interesting twist. Um, so, um, on the back of, uh, of Colin's, uh, message i went ahead and ordered the white hack because it is not in my collection um to date um and if i if i'm not mistaken it actually come it actually predates the black hack um i have uh i put it off ordering it because uh it's it is a it's more expensive than the black hack i mean the black hack one of its defining features is how cheap it is um, so I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to uh, spend money on it since, on balance, I quite like the black hack. I also tend to like things that are called black better than things that are called white because um, I'm a bit of an edgelord. Um, so be, until I get it, um, all I really know about it, I know from uh, uh, Ben Milton's review on Questing Beast um, – I do so. I am intrigued by the way that the white hack apparently works with classes, and that they're they're um, fewer and more vaguely defined, and then you you choose different things to customize them. I find I'm really leaning towards that approach to character class more and more. That, um, what you know, a, a, a small number of of basic frameworks that you can customize. I'm I'm finding a lot better. I think that works better for me, both running the game and, and it also inspires my imagination more as a player. Like, instead of thinking, well, here's a list of classes I can play, it's sort of like, well, what character do I want to play and what role do I want to fulfill in the game? In the game, And then, you know, pick the tools that you, you know, you need to build it. So, for instance, like, I, I really like how James Spawn reduced it to two classes for untold adventures. And I actually really like how Knave reduces it just to one class. Like everybody starts off as the same thing. And what you choose to take with you when you create your character is what, how you, how your character distinguishes itself from the other, the other PCs. And you could use those tools to build a traditional fighter or a traditional magic user or a traditional cleric if you want to. But, you don't have to. You can mix and match. It's kind of expected that you will, that you will customize your character. So it would be interesting to see how White Hack does that. Um, and like I said, I've ordered it because it was missing from my collection. I went ahead and I ordered the cheapest print copy um, because I don't think I need another notebook to keep my game notes in. Um, I have quite a few of those already. Um, I'll probably talk more about that when it arrives. In the meantime, I also found this other voicemail from Colin that I haven't published yet. So th I'm going to publish this one right now, but it actually arrived before 
um, his, uh, his voicemail about the, uh, the white hack. So, great episode, Robert. Really enjoyed it. Listened to it. As soon as it landed on my phone, this is my second attempt at recording. The kids... Kids on the show, I think it's a great idea. I'm trying to get my youngest to get involved and perhaps have something to say to the anchorites. I'd love to hear from your little girl. And um, Eric's led the way on that one, and fair play to him. Hopefully, be having a chat with him tomorrow, so listen out for that one. The skill checks, totally agree with you. I've really liked this idea of the roll-under with multiple D6, however. I I don't think I've had any experience of that at the table so that is interesting so much other stuff in fact to be fair i'm gonna have to listen to the episode again and that's no mean feat oh that's an hour long bro (laughs) but an hour of goodness that's sped by good man so yeah i talked to my daughter about that and she said that she would definitely be up for it so we just need to find um some time to do it i want to actually um get the uh do it while I have my computer on so I can get her um her sandbox area that she designed using hexographer. I showed her how a hexographer worked and she just went to work and built a little um sandbox area and she showed me where all the adventure sites are and what kind of adventures are going to be there and stuff because it's actually her intention to uh to run this as a game someday for her cousins. So I'd like her to talk about that, although I think she also wants to talk about uh, kids on bikes. Um, in the meantime, um, we went again. We went ahead and played uh, My Little Pony Tales of Equestria at the weekend. Or at the weekend, it is the weekend on Friday. Um, our our gaming has been a bit slow since school started. I know like we're into November, so school's been back for a while, but um, it has been quite a big adjustment, especially for my uh, my youngest, who's just starting primary school. And I've mentioned that before, but you know it it's quite a it's quite a mental drain um, on especially quite young kids to start full time school, um, and a lot of times he's just not had the mental energy to cope with with something like a role-playing game he's just needed to do um simpler you know things uh just a lot of solo imaginative play and things like that so um and i and i haven't wanted to push it because you know it is, it is a big imaginative and mental commitment to sit down and play a role-playing game and i know he's been he's been really tired and he's got a lot on his mind from school he's learning a lot he's you know with a lot more kids so he's got a lot of social um stuff going on and and things so i've just wanted to just like leave it and it's like well he'll get to it again or he won't but you know uh, you, you can you can never really force people to play uh, a role-playing game they have to be into it um but I was uh I was looking through my emails on my phone and I got an email from Riverhorse who published Tales of Equestria. Um and they were advertising a new um a new adventure module called The Haunting of Equestria. Um which according to the blurb involves a kind of an alternate universe version of Nightmare Moon returning to Equestria on Nightmare Night. And um so it's not 
Princess Luna lapsing back into being Nightmare Moon, but on the other hand, you get to use Nightmare Moon. Um, and uh, uh, my son saw the, the picture on my phone because it showed uh, the, the front cover, and he's like, ooh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's the Haunting of Equestria, and I kind of I read him the blurb and things. He's like, well, we'll play that on Friday. And it's like, well, okay, first of all, I uh, I probably can't order it in time. First of all, it's pre-order anyway, so it's it's not even available yet. But even if it were available, it probably wouldn't arrive by Friday. And and then the other thing that I didn't say um, was that I haven't been super impressed by the module design. Um, I talked about the railroadiness of the one that comes with the core rule books. Um, the follow-up to that, which I got because I wanted the uh, the game master screen, um, Curse of the Statuettes, was was better and less railroady. But the uh, the design itself um, left something to be desired. Um, Basically, I'm sure everybody who writes an adventure module believes that the game master running that module has to read all your material front to back in order to run it properly. On the other hand, you have to understand that a lot of people won't do that. Or when when they're at the table with the players, the players will do something unexpected and there will be some quick page flipping and skimming. So your material always needs to be skimmable. And Curse of the Statuettes was not skimmable. So whenever they did something that I had to improvise around, I could never flip to a page, glance down, and remind myself what the content was. It would involve me sitting down and reading a lot of text and pausing the game. And uh, that's just bad design for any RPG. Um, when, When you're at the table running the game, the game master's attention and focus needs to be on the players, not on a lot of text that the players aren't seeing. Um, maybe they've sorted that out. Maybe they're better at, you know, this is, and this is really not so much in the adventure design, but in the, in the layout. And, you know, I, I could be spoiled because so many OSR modules have been uh, really doing a lot of great innovations in layout so that you could run really quite complex adventures with the least amount of effort. Um, so maybe I'm just being a bit, maybe I'm just spoiled because of what I'm, what I'm becoming more and more used to, but I feel like even your bog standard Wizards of the Coast D&D monster, or D&D adventure module is a lot more skimmable than what, uh, what they were producing for, uh, for Tales of Equestria. So I'm not really going to, I'm not really going to buy these things if I can't use them and I would rather, um... I would rather uh, make up my own stuff. Um, I'm getting more into into that and into uh, letting the players, i.e. my kids, decide what they want to do and where they want to go. So I decided I would improvise this. It's like, well, if that's the premise, I could probably improvise something along those lines. And it might even be better because it will be the way I think it should work or the way it needs to work at the table. We had a small hitch in that uh, my older child, my daughter, really wanted to follow up on where Curse of the Statuettes ended up. So the haunting of Equestria, theoretically, would take place largely in Ponyville and in some of the more established areas of Equestria. 
But at the end of Curse of the Statuettes, the ponies had discovered a uh, door to a, a heretofore secret underground kingdom of ponies called Umberful. And so my oldest would want to explore Umberful, and my youngest wants to do the haunting of Equestria, so I had to think of a way to combine them. So I thought, well, what we know about Umberful is that during the reign of uh, Discord, they sealed themselves up and turned themselves into statuettes of themselves in order to, pre to prevent them um, being tormented by Discord. And then they were supposed to wake up and come out when Discord was defeated, but they didn't. The magic didn't quite work out. We also know that the seal, the magic seal they placed on their door was um, starting to come away, which is what attracted the principal villain of the, of the adventure, Moonbeam, um, to the area, and how she learned to turn other ponies into statuettes. Um, and now that now that magic door has been completely opened, and there's a lot of very old but apparently not quite functioning as it should magic going on. So I decided that the first thing they'll have to do is they'll have to find the city of Umberful. It's not going to just be on the other side of the door. So we'll do some cave crawling and stuff like that. Then when they find the, the people of Umberful, they still won't be. They'll still be statuettes, and they'll have to uh, wake them up. Then the people of Umberful won't believe that Discord has been defeated because to them it's probably just felt like a moment in time, like they went to sleep and they woke up and, you know, they won't understand that thousands of years literally have passed. So they'll want to go to a magical thing that they have, um, basically like a, a, a very still underground lake um, that is magically enchanted. To be able to show you uh, the past, the future, the present, whatever you ask. But it doesn't work the way it used to work. And instead it shows an alternate universe, Equestria, where Nightmare Moon was never defeated. And Nightmare Moon comes through the portal and out into this world. So that was my plan for the episode. Or my plan for the session. But when we started playing it, um, as they were getting set up, my oldest changed her mind and said, well, actually, the first thing we should do is go back to um, Equestria and tell, uh, you know, tell Princess uh, Celestia and Princess Luna what we found, because she kind of realized that this was a very important and unusual thing and that, you know, people need to be notified. So they went back to Equestria. Now, this turned out to work a lot better because um, I feel like if, if I were going to run it the way that, that I was initially planning there would probably be a good possibility that um alternate universe nightmare moon would never escape because as soon as they realized what was happening the kids would would want to do something to stop it and i'm not the kind of game master that says well this is the way i wanted the adventure to go so you fail like i would definitely have given them a chance to propose something to um, break the connection of the of the the portal or turn it off or something like that you know so i felt like there was probably a good chance that nightmare moon would never even actually escape as soon as they realized what was going on but now they're heading back to ponyville <clears throat> so when they get back to ponyville i tell them that oh it's the day before nightmare night and everybody's busy making preparations so they got really into that because they Nightmare Night is the Equestria version of Halloween. 
Um, and on Nightmare Night, ponies dress up as scary things, and they they remember the eternal night that Nightmare Moon had once brought, and they pretend to be afraid of Nightmare Moon, and Princess Luna pretends to be Nightmare Moon, but it's all in fun, just like as a as a uh, you know like like real Halloween, you pretend to be scary, but it's all for fun. So they got really into that, and they started making plans for a massive nightmare night party and they designed a lot of they started designing a lot of party games just out of their own imagination and i basically encouraged them to give me as much detail as they possibly could and they eventually made this list of nightmare night party games because what i was thinking is is like well at some point the alternate universe nightmare moon will come and strike and they will have to in engage with her but she's way too powerful for a couple of little ponies to take on so what i was thinking is if there's a lot of weird games and party favors and things like that these are things that they can start using to distract her or confuse her or something like that so i basically encouraged them to uh to be as creative as they possibly could and to give me as much detail as they possibly could like i said they read they they wrote an entire list of all the party games um, unfortunately, this um, this set part took so long that it, it, um, <clears throat> my son was really into it. But then by the by the time they'd finished the list, he was kind of done, and he kind of burned he kind of burned out. So he didn't participate as much in the actual conflict bits. He came back at the end when it was time to level up because he loves leveling up, and he chose his uh, new new talents and things like that. But <clears throat> what happened after they after after the party started is the first thing is they noticed that um, Princess Luna hasn't shown up and it's starting to get a bit late. And when Princess Luna does show up, she's not doing her whole "Oh, I'm pretending to be Nightmare Moon." She seems troubled and worried, and so they ask what's wrong, and she's like, "Well." We sent some kind of magical disturbance coming from... And as soon as I said magical disturbance, my daughter started going, Oh, it's Umberful, I knew it! Um, which is kind of what her pony character would do as well. So um, so that that was... Uh, it's, it wasn't really good role-playing. She's like that in real life. But since her pony character is also like that, it fit, it fit really nicely. So... Um, eventually the details they got is that they feel that there's some kind of energy some kind of bond between um this world and another world maybe a world of the past or a world of a different version of the past or something um and, and that's when they kind of realize that they got so distracted with nightmare night parties that nobody actually went and told princess luna and princess celestia about how they found a mag a sealed magic door to another kingdom <clears throat> But by then, the alternate universe Nightmare Moon attacks. And um, the way I set it up is some uh, some other little ponies come screaming. And then they run up to Princess Luna and they say, Oh, you did a really great job being Nightmare Moon this time. And she's like, I haven't, I haven't been pretending to be Nightmare Moon. I've been too busy. And then they know something's wrong. And then the real Nightmare or the alternate universe Nightmare Moon attacks. Um. And so the uh, the party game thing ran ran really well. See, at, at first, my daughter's solution was, well, the main six need to get the elements of harmony because that's how you defeat Nightmare Moon. It's like, well, here's the problem. They don't carry the elements of harmony around on them. They're stowed back at Twilight's house. 
so they need to get there, but Nightmare Moon flies faster than any of the ponies other than Rainbow Dash, and Fluttershy isn't even there because Fluttershy hides under her bed during Nightmare Night. So so Rainbow Dash needed to go get Fluttershy, and nobody else was strong or fast enough to outrun Nightmare Moon. So that's when the uh, distracting her started. So they basically picked a fight with her and then ran into where the party was being done. And then um, one of the party games was um, they they built all these boxes like coffins. And then you would teleport into one of the coffins and then try to um, teleport into a random one. And people would have to pick the right one. And it was basically like find the pony in the box. So she did that for a bit. That one ended up being a success, although it was risky because um, my daughter's character only has a D4 for teleport and Nightmare Moon has a D12 for teleport and they're they're rolling against each other. Mm-hmm. So Nightmare Moon rolled a one so and then my daughter rolled a three. Um, so it worked out, but I did let her know that 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 she got pretty lucky with that and that she can't she might want to switch to a different skill. So it turns out their telekinesis skills were pretty much matched. They both had D12s for telekinesis. So she started doing a lot of things like the apples for the apple bobbing and stuff like that. And throw. She actually ended up taking some stamina points off Nightmare Moon because Nightmare Moon failed her body test to, re- to re- um, resist uh, the apples being flung at her. But I said, well, there's six of the main six and they each need to retrieve their elements of harmony. So you need to evade, you need to distract her six times. So there were six basic, basically six challenges all to do with the games that she had invented. And she would look at the game and she would tell me how she was now using the game as a way to distract Nightmare Moon. And she uh, she failed once, but she gave back. She 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 burned a lot of tokens of friendship to make sure that that she didn't have any disastrous fails um but i felt like that was quite good because it was you know she's got all these little tokens on her <clears throat> in front of her these little uh fake jewels that are the tokens of friendship and when you give them back you can either re-roll or if you give back enough at a time you can just say that you automatically succeed and narrate how you uh how you succeed but she's got a limited supply of them and she and she was running she was running low on them and stuff and it really added to the drama so it was actually a pretty good mechanic because she's got a limited cache of get out of jail free cards basically and she was burning through them because it was such a it, it made the it made the the opponent feel very difficult um and she was she was really buying into it so in the end um she did manage to distract her for long enough for the main six to come back and they got, they had their elements of harmony and they, you know, did the thing that they did in the very first uh, episode of my little pony to defeat nightmare moon. And the energy from the elements of harmony hit the alternate universe, nightmare moon bounced back and stunned all the main six and they all fall to the ground unconscious because she's an alternate universe nightmare moon. She needs the alternate universe elements of harmony and as soon as that came out, my daughter realized that they needed to go back to Umberful. So I'm going to get to run that whole, you know, f- running, like going through the caves and finding uh, finding the ponies and stuff and using the glass pool and stuff. That'll just be a little bit different. It actually is better in this order. But we ended the session there because we've been playing for quite a while and stuff. And then I said, you know, since you actually took on Nightmare Moon and you're still here, um, you definitely deserve to level up. Because I, I, I thought about leveling them up at the end of the last adventure, um, but I didn't. And I, um, 
and then I didn't level them up at the start of this one because I didn't want to put a lot of bookkeeping um since especially since we hadn't played any games in a while and it's like like I don't want to like start our first RPG session um in months with a lot of bookkeeping but um I said, yeah, you definitely deserve to level up. One thing I have noticed, they've now reached level four. And uh, my daughter has a a D20, which is the highest you can get in her main talent now. Um, And she's got D12s and D10s and some of the other ones. She still has some pretty low ones, like her teleport. She she used it, so she got to she got to upgrade it to a D6. So that's still pretty low, but it it strikes me that you don't have to level up too much before you get um, some pretty high um, some pretty high dice in um, at least in your main talents. Because when you level up, any talent you used in the in the previous adventure gets upgraded. And then you can choose to upgrade one that you didn't use. Um, so yeah, it feels like the uh, the talent dice get upgraded pretty quickly. Um, her her trait dice, so her body, mind, and charm. They're still she's still sitting on d8s because you only get to upgrade one of those every time you level up. So um, I, I only mention it because they're level four. She's got a d20 in uh, telekinesis now. Because she used, she already had a D twelve, and she used it a lot. Um, and I was just thinking, well, that's pretty high. And the game assumes that level ten is like the highest level, and that when you reach level ten, you do one big epic adventure, and then you retire. Um, it'll probably be, it'll probably take them quite a few more levels to level up all three of their physical and mental traits to D twenties, but. It's just something that I've noticed that, like, yeah, they're the thing that they do most, which is use one of their special powers. Um, that that reached max. She maxed out on that at level four. So I don't know. Um, we'll see about we'll see about how that works. I mean, you can still roll a one on a twenty, so it's it's not a big deal. To uh, make this possible. Um, I had to get some extra material and I said like I definitely didn't want to get any more of the adventure modules. I want to just start winging it and, um, you know, designing little scenarios and then seeing how they uh, how they interact with them and then responding to uh, to what they do. But I did I did need um, more creatures. So I got the bestiary of Equestria and I also got the uh, the source book. Um, it's the, it's basically like a setting information. It's um, it incorporates things from the My Little Pony movie, um, so that you can use some of those settings as settings for the role playing game now. So I'd just like to have a quick look at those two things first. Um, I'm going to do the setting one first because it, it's the one that. Um, I was slightly disappointed in. Uh, I would. Uh, I'll do the, uh, the the slightly negative one first, and then end on a high note. So uh, I recorded that entire uh, episode pretty much um, early in the morning before I had my morning coffee. So uh, I can't believe I uh, I managed that, and um, that's probably why it sounds so disjointed and stuff like that. Um, 
in between recording that segment, I got a cold and I took some time off. And then I actually recorded the interview with my daughter and we discussed the uh, My Little Pony uh, supplement books during that interview. So I think, to be honest, I'm going to save that for the next episode, which will be the interview with DM Dad's daughter. Um, so I hope you're all uh, ready for that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, play well and let the dice fall where they may.